What is up, everybody? This is officially the first Talking Hockey podcast of 2019. Hope everybody had a happy holidays and a solid new year. I am Jack Bushman going solo on this episode today, and today is January 3rd, 2019, which is still very weird to say, but here we are, and we have plenty to talk about in the new year. So the Blackhawks have now played three games since the NHL's Christmas break, and they have continued right where they left off prior to Christmas, and that is playing a way better brand of hockey. The past month has been much better to the Chicago Blackhawks than the two months prior, and it is very relieving to say the least. It seems like the Blackhawks have just found the lineup they would like to play with, and they have fully adjusted to the new system Jeremy Colleton has brought in. The man-to-man defense appears to be working better for this defensive unit, and the Hawks have allowed more than four goals just twice in their past 15 games. Blackhawks currently have a 15-21-6 record through 42 games this season, giving them 36 points and has them sitting in 13th place in the Western Conference. While the record isn't all too pretty, the Hawks have been winning a lot of tough games as of late, and even in the games they're losing, they're looking way better than they did over the putrid 21-game span. The Hawks are 6-3-1 over their past 10 games, and they are going to have to keep that pace up or might even need more to have any hopes of playoff hockey. The Hawks have played a league-high 42 games already this season, so we are officially over the halfway point of the season already. That is crazy to say. It has been one hell of a roller coaster ride so far with a lot of new faces around the clubhouse from the beginning of the season. It was a tough transition, but one I think was really necessary for this team and their future to arrive as soon as possible. Because, listen, the last thing we want as Hawks fans is to be in limbo for a few years like we are right now. Not really good enough to make the playoffs, but not bad enough to receive good draft picks right now. We'd have the fifth overall draft pick. I mean, that's a solid pick, but it's kind of a weak draft class, so I'm not sure what we'd get if we would have that pick. And that's just the direction the Blackhawks are heading in. So, yes, Stan Bowman has made some moves that leave you questioning his decisions, but he has made some moves that have surprised the fan base and also made some moves that, without a doubt, make this team better in the long run. With this current team, there are pieces that make you very confident about the future. To me, the biggest missing link for this team is a top six pure goal scorer. Someone, (laughs) Q, Artemi Panarin, Uh, someone like Matt Duchesne, Mark Stone. The defense is the biggest problem currently, but it will not be in a couple of seasons because we have three to four or five prospects that will be NHL ready in the next two to three seasons. But until those guys are ready, we're just going to have to suck it up with the defensive core that we have. But once those defensive prospects like Boquist, Mitchell, and Bodan are ready, this team is going to be solid. Adding someone, like I said, like Panarin or Duchesne to the top six would immediately make the Hawks, uh, make their top six one of the best in the entire league. Imagine having Dabrinkit, Taze, Saad, Panarin, Stroman, Kane in the top six to go along with Murphy, Gustafson, Yoki Haru, Boquist, Bodan, Mitchell, Dahlstrom. <laughs> Once those defensemen adjust to the NHL level, it's going to be scary for our opponents and the defense is not going to be what it is right now. So the dawn is coming, folks, but probably just not this season and maybe not next year either. It's a bit of a stretch to expect 18 and 19 year olds to consistently play well like Henry Okihari who has this season. 
But anyway, I could sit here all day and talk endlessly about the possibilities of the future of this team. But let's get back to the here and now and the three games the Hawks have played since the Christmas break. They have looked pretty solid in all three of them. Going back to December 27th, the Blackhawks hosted the Minnesota Wild in what ended up being a pretty fun game to watch. Uh, Patrick Kane and Brandon Saad accounted for all five goals scored in the night uh, as Patrick Kane recorded his fifth career hat trick in the regular season and seventh, including the postseason. His first goal came off that ridiculous reception from an Eric Gustafson pass, and somehow Kane was able to corral the pass and put it past Dubnik for his first goal of the night. And then his second came on the power play once again from Gustafson, and a Patrick Kane one-timer ended Devin Dubnik's night early in the second period, putting the Blackhawks up 3-1. to one. Kane ended up recording the empty netter for his hat-trick and 20th goal of the season at the time. Brandon Saad scored two on the night. It was his 10th and 11th goals of the season, and the Hawks won the game 5-2. You look at the stat sheet, the Hawks did allow 48 shots on goal during this game, which does look concerning, but in reality, the Hawks kept Minnesota to the outside, and a lot of their shots on goal were easy saves for Colin Delia in his second start of the season. The Hawks' top players really dominated this game, and the Hawks picked up their fifth point in three games versus the Minnesota Wild so far this season. Moving on now to the game prior to the Winter Classic, which was Colin Delia's second start in Colorado in just eight days. He played fantastic in both of them, allowing one of the league's best offenses to score just three goals in two games at home. Very impressive stuff from a man who is less than a year removed from the ECHL. The minor leagues of the minor leagues, for those of you who don't know what the ECHL is. This was another tough battle, much like the one eight days prior. And the Hawks came out firing. They put up two goals in the first 10 minutes of the game. Patrick Kane made an absolutely disgusting turnaround feed cross ice to Alex Dabrinkit for an open net. Dabrinkit was all smiles after scoring this one as he could not believe the pass that Patrick Kane got over to him for his 18th goal of the season. Patrick Kane stayed hot just a few minutes later, burying a one-timer off a three-on-two rush, a beautiful passing play by the Hawks' second line. Dylan Strom entered the zone with the puck and made a beautiful play by dropping the puck to Anisimov and then crashing the net to grab the attention of the defenseman. That opened up a passing lane for Artem Anisimov. He then made a pass across the dots to Patrick Kane, and he made no mistake about it for his 21st of the season. It was Kane and Strom's second point of the period. Patrick Kane now had a seven-game point streak, and Dylan Strom recorded his third multi-point game in a row. While it looked good for the Hawks early, the Avs were able to claw their way back into this game, scoring in the final three minutes of both the first and the second period with a man advantage to tie the game up. Miku Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon were responsible for those goals, so there's not much you can do against those guys this year. Two guys who have some of the highest point totals in the league. So both teams had their chances in the third period. It was tied 2-2, but the time ran out and overtime was needed for this one. Fortunately for the Blackhawks, they had a power play uh, going into overtime, so it was four on three for the Hawks to begin the five-minute period, and it took Patrick Kane just 41 seconds into overtime to give the Hawks a 3-2 to two win, his second of the night and fifth in two games. It was Patrick Kane's 22nd goal of the season, and it was also a power play goal. The Hawks had failed to record multiple power play goals in a game all year until last game against Minnesota, and now they had done it in back-to-back -back games. 
Calendelia made 30 saves to record his third one of the season in as many starts. He is now 3-0-0. It was the Hawks' second win in Denver in a little over a week, and that is really significant because the Hawks had just one road win from October 20th to December 20th, and that came bare... That that barely happened. If you guys go back and remember that game, that was a road game against the Florida Panthers where Alex Dabrinkit scored with like .7 seconds left on the clock to force overtime. Then Eric Gustafson had the overtime winner. Like That game easily could not have gone in the Hawks' favor, and the Hawks wouldn't have won a single road game for two months. That was their only road win for two months. That is not a joke. Two months, one road win. That's how sad it got at one point. And now the Hawks have won three in a row on the road and finally look to be over the hump. Now, let's move on to the most recent game, a game I was lucky enough to attend myself, the second biggest game in NHL history. It was technically a home game for the Hawks, even though it was at Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend, Indiana, but the 2019 Winter Classic game between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Boston Bruins, and let me tell you guys, what an atmosphere it was. It was just the coolest hockey game I've ever gone to in my entire life. It was so easy to see the ice and the puck. The full house at Notre Dame made it that much more exciting of a game. It was really well done by uh, the whole crew. Everything was set up perfectly. Uh, in a football stadium, it's so spread out, so easy to see everything, unlike how it is in a baseball stadium. So I was glad the venue was where it was. It was really easy to see the puck and really, really well set up. That's all I can say about it. And it was a really good game. That's what made it even that much more awesome. A very competitive 60 minutes of hockey that came down to the final minute. And the Blackhawks jumped on the board first in the first period as Brennan Perlini beat Tuka Rask for his third goal as a Blackhawk. David Kampf made the play behind the net, lifting the stick of Tori Krug and centering the puck for Perlini with no Bruin in front of the net. It had been a bit of a struggle for Perlini in his start to his Blackhawk career, but he's picked it up a little bit of late, and he probably had his best game as a Chicago Blackhawk in this outdoor game. It was uh, really a game of special teams. Unfortunately, the Blackhawks' special teams let them down. The penalty kill really killed the Hawks in this one. David Posternock took advantage of a failed Marcus Kruger clear uh, late in the first period to score his 24th of the season and made it 1-1 at the end of the first Second was a pretty even match period, but the Hawks once again jumped ahead on a Dominic Cahoon redirect for his fifth goal of the season. That was I had a really awesome view of that goal. He jumped into the glass. It was pretty cool. That was a nice redirect by Cahoon. Eric Gustafson picked up another primary assist on that goal, adding to his phenomenal stretch that he has had lately. But Boston was once again able to answer on the power play later on in the period as Brandon Saad was caught without a stick and Patrice Bergeron took advantage to tie it up at two after 40 minutes. Heading into the third, you knew that the next goal was going to be gigantic towards the results of the game. The crowd was really into it. A lot of let's go Hawks chants, and unfortunately the Hawks really got dominated. The Bruins controlled the pace of the play in the third, and naturally after about 10 minutes of cycling in uh, the Hawks zone, they found the back of the net as Sean Corrali uh, got a rebound goal and scored what ended up being the game winner. The Hawks did apply some pressure in the final couple of minutes as Jonathan Tays hit the post, breaking my heart right behind. I was right behind the net. The crowd reaction to Tays hitting the post sucked the air right out of the crowd. 
right then and there, you kind of had the feeling that this was just not the Blackhawks' day, and Boston was able to add an empty netter and secured a 4-2 victory against the lovable losers of the outdoor game. So, yes, the Hawks did lose another Winter Classic, but they played way better in this one than they have in their recent outdoor games, getting blown out uh, to St. Louis and Minnesota. Uh, it was a tough loss, but overall, it was encouraging to see the Hawks battle with a playoff-caliber team like Boston. The defense continues to grow as a group, and besides the penalty kills, they played really solid for the most part in front of Cam Ward. There was a lot of hate that Cam Ward received the Winter Classic start over Colin Delia, even though Delia was the hot hand with a 3-0-0 record, 1-6-7 goals allowed average, and a 9.57 save percentage. But I do understand the move starting the veteran and Ward keeping both goaltenders in the mix. If Cam Ward did not play against the Bruins, he would likely sit out until the 6th or the 7th when the Hawks have a back-to-back his last start prior to the Winter Classic was December 23rd before the Christmas break. So if he did not play in the Winter Classic, he could go a little over two weeks without a start. And yes, Colin Delia is playing great right now, but it's only been three games. If Delia finds himself in a slump, and he's likely going to slow down at some point, he's been on fire to start off his career, the Hawks are still going to have to rely on Cam Ward for uh, an unknown stretch because we just don't know with Corey Crawford. So I do understand the move to start the veteran in the Winter Classic, get his confidence up a little bit. And he played really well for the most part. He made a bunch of big saves. None of the goals allowed are really his fault. While Ward's numbers this year are blinding and hard to look at, you have to take into account that the defense has really just fucked him this year. His goals allowed average is nearly four, and his save percentage is not even at 90. That's really ugly if you don't know the numbers. But those are not stats that accurately represent his play this season. He has been way better than those numbers have suggested, actually keeping the Hawks in many of the games he has played in. Ward is not a bad option in net, and if Colin Delia should cool off, we have to be wary that Cam Ward could be the starter for the second half of the season. So I like the choice to keep him involved in the rotation, but Colin Delia needs to be the guy right now until someone figures him out. He has been lights out since call-up, and he has really cemented himself as what looks like the goaltender of the future here in Chicago. He will be getting the start tonight on Long Island when the Blackhawks take on the New York Islanders. So let's give a little bit of a preview towards that game tonight and talk about some Hawks news that uh, we are now updated fully as of today. So Colin Delia will be in net tonight. That has been confirmed. Also confirmed that we haven't talked about yet is that a trade with the Edmonton Oilers obviously occurred if you have not heard yet. Drake Kajuila is still working on his name's a mouthful, still getting a visa to come to the United States, which is oddly still a problem in the NHL in 2019. We have not talked about this yet, but it was a hell of a move by Stan Bowman to unload the contract of Brandon Manning. For those that are not aware, the trade was Brandon Manning, and more importantly, is 2.25 mil per year for this year and next year. And Robin Norrell to Edmonton for Drake Kajuila and Jason Garrison. Brandon Manning was a healthy scratch for eight straight games after Kyle Dahlstrom was called up and gave the Hawks solid play from the left side. Brandon Manning really was looking like he had no future with the Blackhawks and was making entirely too much money to be a number seven D-man or to be in Rockford. The Hawks found and really took advantage of a desperate Oilers team who needs defensemen more than we do, which is sad. Bowman was able to make up for his biggest L this offseason by trading away Brandon Manning and his contract and picking up a work in progress in Drake Kajuila. 
not only did we really receive the better player of the trade, even though Kadrila really hasn't panned out so far, we saved nearly $1 million towards the salary cap. Jason Garrison was uh, a throw-in into this trade. He's considering retiring or his oversee options. We, you know, put him on uh, mutual condition or conditional waivers for mutual contract termination. So he was just a throw-in for that deal. He actually means nothing. But looking at the other part of the trade, the, the only part of the trade, really, Drake Kajwila, he's failed to really produce a lot in his time with Edmonton. Coming into the season, he had played 127 games with Edmonton, two years, 60 his first year, and 67 last year. In those two years, he scored 20 goals and had just 18 assists. Going back to his college days, he played on that same top line with Nick Schmaltz and Brock Besser at North Dakota in college, creating a deadly line that won the national championship. So Kadrila had a good uh, college hockey background, but he's really uh, he's yet to find a stride the, as an NHLer so far. Although he, he did have seven goals in 29 games this year, not great, but maybe he comes out with 15 to 18 goals. That would be a, a nice addition to this team. He's another guy like Brendan Perlini who has potential, but just could not find it with a struggling hockey team. But unlike Perlini, Kadrila is signed through next season. Perlini should be playing for a contract next year. He's picked up his play of late. Hopefully he figures it out because he's got a lot of potential to his game. Uh, Kajuila will probably likely be here next year as well unless he's really that bad with us. Uh, I've heard around rumor around the mill is that the guy might be a little bit of a partier. That's just the word I've heard about him. I don't want to spread rumors about him or anything. That could be completely false. But... Uh, his numbers really haven't been all that great in Edmonton. I mean, no one really has been all that great in Edmonton besides, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl. Nugent Hopkins has been pretty good this year, but, you know, no one, no one's really been all that great over there. But I'm sure Kajwila, uh at some point, he'll get that visa figured out and he'll be here at some point. It'll be interesting to see um, how him and Perlini, they, they kind of play a similar game or dictated in the lineup. I'm not sure if Perlini will see top line minutes again this season, but I'm sure Kajwila at some point will at least get that look from Jeremy Colleton. Uh, Bowman and Colleton are still looking for a winger to join Taze and Saad to make them a complete top line. And on paper, that looks like a spot for Alex to bring it, but Jeremy Colleton has seemed contempt to keep the cat on the third line despite him being really hot as of late. So once Kajwila arrives, I would not be surprised to see him fluctuate between the top line or the fourth line. That's just usually how it goes for the newly acquired forwards when they arrive in Chicago because that's what we're looking for. But one thing we know for sure is that Kajwila will not be in the line tonight when the Hawks play the Islanders. We have not seen the official lines from this morning or anything, but we do know that John Hayden will be back in the lineup for Andreas Martinson on that fourth line. The Hawks did activate Brandon Davidson this afternoon, but he won't dress and he will be a healthy scratch. Brandon Davidson, name we haven't said in a while. He's been out since November 12th with a knee injury. He had to have surgery, but he is back now. He's the seventh defenseman, but he is scratched tonight. Martinson and Kunitz are the forwards scratched tonight. So this is a really solid battle tonight with two hot teams in the NHL right now. I know it's kind of weird to say the Hawks are hot, but they've been just playing a better brand of late, and they're 6-3-1 in their past 10 games, so they've been playing well. The Islanders have been one of the biggest surprises of the league. They're currently 21-13-4 and and winners of four in a row, and they are 7-2-1 in their past 10 games. And superstar Matt Barzell is really just starting to get it going. He had a hat trick the other night. And the Hawks are 5-2 in their past seven games. Although the Hawks have a 7-12-2 record on the road this year, 
They've won three in a row on the road, as we mentioned earlier, against some impressive teams. They beat Colorado twice, and they also beat the Dallas Stars, who are a good home team. The Islanders are 9-5-3 at home, so the Hawks do have a chance of making it four in a row tonight. Colin Delia is the goaltender for the Blackhawks, and Robin Leonard is the projected goaltender for the New York Islanders tonight. Leonard has had a solid season, and he's won his past five decisions. So it should be a good competitive game between two hot goaltenders. Both teams have been playing solid hockey of late, and both teams' superstars have it going on right now. Patrick Kane for the Blackhawks and Matt Barzell for the New York Islanders. Looking at some keys to the game for the Blackhawks, the most important key for me is to win the special teams battle. The Hawks have been a lot better in the special teams department in their past 10 games, and the results have shown winning a lot of close games. Neither the Islanders or the Hawks boast impressive special teams numbers this year, so I think the team that plays better on special teams wins tonight. The Hawks' power play has been hot of late, and after being dead last in the league for a significant stretch, the Hawks are up to 26th, which is actually a significant jump in power play consideration, at 15%. The Hawks do still have the league's worst penalty kill at 73.6%, and it seems every game they lose is because of the kill. They allowed two power play goals in the Winter Classic to Boston, and they allowed two goals while being a man down to Colorado the game before. The Islanders' power play is currently 23rd in the NHL at 15.8%, but they do have three power play goals in their past five games, and they're 3 for 12 over that stretch, so 25%. The Islanders' penalty kill is 21st in the NHL, coming in at 77.5%, but they're only 6 of 9 on the penalty kill over their past five games. With a hot Blackhawks power play lately, they have to apply the pressure on a struggling PK. If the Hawks can get a power play goal, it would go a long way towards a victory. The Islanders have the second lowest goals allowed per game average, so all the goals the Hawks can get are huge. An interesting stat I saw, when the Islanders score at least three goals, they are 19-1-1 on the season. So the Hawks need to keep their foot on the gas pedal and make sure to get some past Leonard tonight. Another key is to take advantage of all the injuries to this Islander team right now. They're without Valtteri Filippola, Jordan Eberle, Andrew Ladd, and Thomas Hickey. Not, you know... Very significant names with guys that are depth players for this team that make a difference. There are some holes in the forward group for this Islanders team right now, and we know they already have a high, hard time scoring as it is. The Hawks' defense needs to shut down the top guys like Barzell, Lee, and Bailey and keep them from scoring three goals. Don't rely on Delia too much. Keep the shots to the outside and keep the pressure off of him. He has been fantastic of late seeing everything he sees. Win the tough battles in front of the net and keep your goaltender clean. They win the battles in front of the net and win the special teams game. They'll win this game tonight and make it four wins on the row. I'm four win four straight wins on the road. I'm going to predict a 4-2 Hawks victory tonight. I'm going to say Patrick Kane and Dylan Strome get a goal tonight. Although the Islanders have not allowed a lot of goals this season, their defense is not the toughest group of guys to score against in the league. Hopefully that Anisimov, Strom, and Kane line will continue to play well and get 88 the puck with time and space. He has the hot hand lately. I think, I think he keeps it going after not recording a point in the Winter Classic game. It was a tough loss to start 2019, but I think the Hawks come up with their first win of the new year tonight on the road. It should be a very competitive team, with a very competitive game with both teams playing good hockey as of late. I'm very excited to watch this one tonight. Hopefully the Hawks continue to inch their way back to a 500 record. Blackhawks Islanders 630 puck drop, puck drop tonight. 
make sure to check it out. Also, make sure to check out my Blackhawks Twitter page, at Talk Hockey, for live tweeting of every Blackhawks game, including tonight and all Chicago Blackhawks news at all time. That's about all I got tonight. Thanks again to everybody who listened. I really appreciate it, guys. Like I said, I hope everybody had a happy holidays, had a good new year. Go Hawks, and let's hope we get a bit of a streak going here, put some wins together, and, you know, get to playing some competitive hockey in the next couple months. So that's about all I got tonight against the New York Islanders. Hawks need a big win on the road. Hopefully they'll make it four in a row. Let's go defense. Let's keep playing the right way. Let's keep uh, riding the hot hand in Colin Delia, and let's get another win tonight. All right, peace.